Hi, I'm Ria Almeida. And I'm Luisa Portugal. And we're here today to talk about the world of coronavirus policy for the Wagner Review. Our editor-in-chief, Tiffany Rose, is here to join us as well. Hi, everyone. My name is Tiffany Rose Miller, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the first of many podcast series with the Wagner Review. As editor-in-chief, I'm excited to provide a larger platform for NYU students to address policy issues, and I hope you enjoy. Today, we have here with us MPA PNP students Will Ines, talking about post-crisis housing policy, and Mary Dinsdale, shedding light on Canada's response to the COVID crisis. Welcome to CoronaCast, a Wagner Review podcast series. Our first guest today is an NYU Wagner student who also works at the Center for NYC Neighborhoods. Not to mention, he also knows the best oyster bars in Lower Manhattan. Happy to have you as our first guest, Will. Could you introduce your topic and let us know how you became interested in it? Yeah, of course. Thank you, Ria. Thank you, Louisa, for the shout out. Um, uh, my name is Willinus. I'm an MPA PNP student with a specialization in policy analysis and public finance. Um, my specific policy interest is in housing policy. Um, I've been really fascinated with it for a very long time. And I personally grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in a rent-stabilized apartment and understanding the opportunities that afforded myself and my family that really drove a passion uh, within me to try to provide the most affordable housing to the most number of people in my home city, but also across America. Right. So I currently actually also live in your home city. So my question is, will I be able to upgrade from my current shoebox to a bigger shoebox? Or in other words, what does New York City's housing market look like after this crisis? Wow, starting with the easy questions, Ria. Really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the short answer is who knows. Um, I think that one of the most fascinating parts of the policy discussion around COVID is how little certainty there really is, not only about the pandemic, but also what the post-crisis landscape is going to look like. Um, I think that it's going to, if anything, be more difficult perhaps to find a house in New York City, um, simply because of the state and city budget cuts, which will directly impact not only the subsidization of affordable housing, but perhaps also construction as well. Um, and I think that's also borne out in some of the data. If you look, for example, at the Home Price Appreciation Index that's published by the FHFA or that published by the American Enterprise Institute, it's pretty fascinating that even though the rate of appreciation has slowed, home prices across America generally are still increasing despite the fact that millions of Americans not only uh, have lost their job and income, but are also currently taking forbearance on their mortgages. So I think that um, it's not looking fantastic for an upgrade now, but uh, maybe in a few years when you're running a lot of stuff and have improved your financial means, perhaps, Ria. You can buy me a drink first. <laughs> <laughs> so while we wait for Ria to upgrade her shoebox, what are you hoping to see in terms of housing policy from the government in the upcoming years? Well, obviously, there is definitely a role for the government 
in the housing market. I think that's very clear, not only in how we conceive of the American dream and the dream of home ownership as a pivotal policy for the U.S. government, but I also think it's really uh, important for the government to step in in the times of crisis where the private market can't provide any viable alternative. I think that specifically goes for individuals that have lost their means to pay their mortgages or their rent. So I think that the uh, forbearance and uh, moratoriums on foreclosures and evictions was definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I think that there's a lot of proposals out there right now. Uh, there's one in the House and the Senate um, about a, a homeowner affordability fund. I think that's a really interesting concept. Um, we've seen that in the past and uh, the way it's been administered is by the states and there's been a lot of um, difficulties in having some states uh, put overly restrictive criteria on accessing the funds, but I think the homeowner assistance fund is a great idea. Um, I think there's also been a lot of calls to cancel rent. I know that's been a bill that's been proposed in the House. I think that's less politically feasible. However, it's an interesting alternative, uh, especially if it was more targeted. I think it would be a better policy if it was more targeted to um, the individuals that are either in the service industry or in the gig economy, uh, especially if they have government-backed mortgages. Um, but I think that, would, that type of policy would have to be more targeted. Fingers crossed, and let's see how this year's election goes, honestly. Um, so to end with, I have a two-part question. One, could you share with us a cool fact or an interesting fact that we can take away about the you know, post-coronavirus housing policy? And the other is, as the Wagner community, if we want to get involved in some of the work or help solve the problem, how do we do that? The most interesting part right now is that we don't know what policies are going to be enacted. So it's tough to say uh, an interesting fact, uh, you know, that might happen in the future. I think uh, maybe the question that I might answer is, like, what type of indices might I look for? that would be like particularly interesting to look at, to know if we're kind of on the latter end of the crisis. I think the first number would be um, weekly forbearances. Um, the Mortgage Bankers Association also publishes a, a mortgage servicers survey, and they have a bunch of interesting stats about how many people call into their servicers, what the wait times are, Etc. So I might look towards the, those two stats and then finally look at the home price appreciation index after the crisis to see if there's any impact on demand. There's some talk of uh, pent up demand in the housing market because no one can go in and see a home. So I'd be really interested in those three indices. Right. Um, in terms of the latter and in getting involved, uh, obviously, you know, home ownership and renting and you know, the idea of home is integral to every single student at Wagner. We all need a place to live. A lot of that could either be on campus or off campus, uh, especially in the New York City housing market. That's particularly precarious for a lot of us. Um, but I think that the, there are a couple of ways to get involved if you're a Wagner student or if you're interested in the topic more fully. Um, I think the first is to get involved on the local level. A lot of housing decisions are made by local zoning boards and they're made 
by a lot of the local planning committee uh, commissions. So either involving yourself in the community board or in zoning hearings, et cetera, that's a less thought of way to be involved in housing, but I think that's really integral. Um, I think another way is obviously contacting your local representatives um, to support whatever type of congressional uh, support there is for housing affordability and the housing fund in whatever new legislation there might be. Um, so those would be the ways that come to mind. Thanks, Will. That was great. Next up, we've got Mary Dinsdale joining us from Canada, the country that makes the rest of us look like we're not even trying. <laughs> Maddie is a <laughs> first you, year. <laughs> is a first year MPA student specializing in SIQ, and previously she worked with Justin Trudeau in his party. So welcome, and could you tell us about your COVID topic of interest and why you personally care about it? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about Canada's response to um, coronavirus because it has been moderately successful, um, especially when you compare it across different countries. Um, I think for me, I mean, it matters because it's where I'm from. Um, it's where I am right now. Um, it is my home. It's where I plan to move back to after my brief stint in New York. Um, and it, it's really important to me. I think also um, Canadian policy and Canadian um, politics, I think, gets less attention than it should. I think it's a really interesting space. Um, there's a lot of different dynamics going on. It's really complex, um, but it can be a really positive space. And I think it's really interesting to see that in the Western world right now. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit more about how we're handling this horrific crisis. So Maddie, apart from how to play ice hockey, what else can the world learn from Canada right now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I think, I think there's a couple of things. I think the primary takeaway, though, is the power of collaboration. Um, I think across parties, across um, different levels of government, Canada has been quite successful at, at cooperating in times of crises, and, and this is really no different. I think um, just the fact that you're seeing the most conservative premiers um, and a fairly liberal prime minister work together effectively and support each other is a pretty unique thing and is extremely powerful. Um, I think this is not the time to have different levels of government arguing about what the best practice is. I think it's the time to listen to health professionals, to use the evidence and to make the best decisions for um, your citizens. And I, I really do think that's what Canadians are doing. It's so interesting to learn about collaboration. Specifically, I know that uh, Canadian leaders, specifically women Canadian leaders, have played a big role in that collaboration. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. This is my absolute favorite thing. I think Canada is left off the list of countries that are being led by women and they're doing really well. And I think that's wrong. I think, yes, our prime minister is a, is a man and he's doing, he's doing well. Um, but the people who are really driving the success in this country are our deputy prime minister, our health minister, and um, our public health um, professionals. So those people tend to majority be women. I think it's, I think it's like 90% of them are. In particular, we have our Deputy Prime Minister, Krista Freeland, our Minister of Health, Patty Haidu, and our um, public health officers from across the country, whether it's Bonnie Henry or Dina Hinshaw or Eileen Davila. These are household names now because these women have been showing up every day on television, telling, the pe telling Canadians what's going on, what they need to do, where our problems are, where we're working to improve them, and where our successes are. And I think there's just been a huge calming effect having these incredibly intelligent um, and capable women in charge. And they've been doing a really fantastic job at advising some of our male politicians on uh, how to handle this. 
So I think uh, it's really true that countries run by women are the ones that are, are handling this the best. Awesome. I love to hear about women in leadership positions doing a great job during this crisis. So to finish it, can you tell us about one cool fact that you came about during your research? Also, how can the Wagner community get more involved with Canada policies or how can they just learn more about the topic? Sure. Um, in terms of cool facts, I'm not sure if I have a great one. I will tell you, though, this is totally personal. But on my walks around my neighborhood in Toronto, um, different families have been putting weird um, art installations that their kids are making on their front lawns. So across the street from me right now is a fun art installation of a watering can with some glitter and sparkles. And so it just shows you, it's a super weird thing about Toronto, but we're really into the arts here. And so it's really cool to see families still doing that sort of stuff and, um, and supporting each other um, during this weird time. <laughs> and then in terms of getting involved, I think the first thing you could do is check out the Canadian CBC. So it's like our version of BBC. Um, it has the most up-to-date information. Um, it's, a, it's a publicly funded news source and it's extremely valuable. And then beyond that, I would say the Globe and Mail is our probably our number one newspaper in Canada that has fantastic analysis. In particular, their public health reporter is, is fantastic. So I would strongly recommend checking out those two sources. Again, that's CBC and Globe and Mail. Perfect. Thank you so much, Maddie. That was amazing. And I really hope the border opens up soon because we like you better in New York than you in Canada. Um, <laughs> a big thanks to Maddie and Will. And thank you for listening in. If you're interested in the subjects being discussed here, you can listen to the full presentations that Will and Maddie gave on the What's Up with Coronavirus Policy discussion group. Links are in the description. And if you want to take part in the discussion as it happens, join us at our weekly student-led virtual meetings. We would love to hear from you. Look in the description for how to join us. Special shout out to Tiffany for the great work that she's already doing with the Wagner Review. Personally, I'm on the Wagner Review and I cannot wait to work with Tiffany as Editor-in-Chief. And for everyone listening, thank you and we'll see you next week at the Wagner Review Coronavirus Policy Podcast. Mm-hmm.